Hello and welcome to Stony Creek Radio, the sermon podcast from Stony Creek Baptist Church in London, Ontario. We're so glad you've tuned in today. Our prayer as you listen is that you'll be encouraged and built up in your walk with Jesus as we study God's Word together. Thank you so much for joining us. Let's jump right in. Give your Bibles, I'm going to open, I invite you to open them to Matthew chapter 1. Over the past number of weeks, we've been looking at Christmas surprises that we find in Matthew. So parts of the Christmas story that we come to that really caused us to look back and say, huh? Why is that there? There's surprises that for the first century audience reading this would have really stuck out to them and would have caused them to ponder, why is that being told to us? Why? Did that happen this way? Why was he given that name? And so we're going to zero in on uh, a part of this passage where the first Sunday of Advent, we looked at this passage, but then I told you we're going to zero in on the names that are mentioned here, a name and a title of Jesus that are mentioned in this passage. So today, that's what we're going to do. But I want to read it in its context and uh, incredible, incredible truths that are listed for us. Things that this passage, where when you see the name given to this child being born and the title that's attributed to him and why he came, all three of those things would have been surprises to a first century audience and should be a surprise to us, kind of take us back. So here we go. I'm going to start in, uh, I said, yeah, Matthew chapter one, starting in verse 18, we're going to start. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. We looked at a couple of weeks ago on that last time we looked at this passage, and that that would have been a shock to this audience, that Joseph being a just man decided to divorce her quietly means Joseph being a just man decided to break the law of Moses that called for her to be stoned, not to have grace shown to her. And so we get a vision of justice through this Messiah that has come. goes on, verse 20, but as he considered these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. So there's three surprises I want to mention here. The the first one, I'm going to work backwards. The first one is this title that's attributed to Jesus here. Emmanuel. That goes back to Isaiah chapter 7. In Isaiah 7, King Ahaz had two armies that were kind of camped out. They wanted to attack him, the people of God, take him out and put a kind of a puppet king in his place. And he was afraid. So when you're afraid, you turn somewhere for help. He was told by Isaiah, turn to the Lord for help. And instead, he turned to the king of Assyria. And he turned to the king of Assyria and the Lord said, ask for a sign. And he said, no, I'm not going to ask for a sign. And the Lord said, well, I'm going to give you a sign anyway. 
And this is the sign that he gave to King Ahaz, who trusted in Assyria. Just as was told to him, he trusted in Assyria to help him against these two invading armies. And then Assyria turned on him, just as he was told. This good reminder, we don't trust in princes, we trust in the Lord. Ahaz should have trusted in the Lord. In the midst of that, this is the sign the Lord gives to Ahaz. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. That's out of Isaiah chapter 7. And that would have been partially fulfilled with Isaiah's son, who was born the next chapter. But then there's some language that's used there. There's often talk about Isaiah 7 and the virgin shall conceive. That word literally just means young woman. And so there's talk, well, it wasn't a virgin. And that word can mean young woman or it can mean virgin. Matthew, though, is very clear in the Gospels that it means virgin. So there's really no debate in this. But then Isaiah's son was born, and that would have been a fulfillment of this, a partial fulfillment of this. And here's where this shock would have come in, because Matthew says Jesus is who is the ultimate fulfillment of that promise. And why that's a shock is that term, that title Emmanuel, that was seen by the Jewish people as a a title given to this one that God was going to send, and God was going to be with them through that person, not that literally This was going to be God himself. That's not how the Jewish people understood that passage in Isaiah 7. So what the shock here is by Matthew is, Matthew flat out tells us this is, Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah chapter 7, Emmanuel. But it's not just that God is going to be with us through this child. It's that this child is God. And that would have floored them. That would have been a surprise. Not only is God going to be with them through the coming of this child, but this child is God in the flesh. Come for us. And it would behoove us. It would be the most silly thing ever if we didn't ask the question, why? If the God of the heavens and the earth, the one who created all things, the one who speaks things into existence, everything in all of creation was spoken by God and came into being. And if this is the God who came at Christmas, put on flesh and dwelt among us, as Matthew tells us, the question we need to ask is why? Why would he do this for us? And we find out through the name that's given to him. You shall call his name, what? One of the kids. What's his name? You shall call his name, Jesus. Not you shall call his name, Benedict Flavius Josephus. Some mighty, I'm glad you found that funny. That's fantastic. It's not some fancy royal name, but in fact, Jesus is the same name Joshua. Joshua, I love the kids tracking with this. (laughs) Joshua and Jesus are the same name. This was a very, very common name. So when you think this is God himself putting on flesh, dwelling among us, he's going to have some royal name, but instead name him the name like many other boys would have been named. Isaiah 7 says he's going to eat curds and honey. He's talking about his, the, the humility in which he is going to come. That he's going to live as a, as a peasant kind of person would live. 
And then he's given a name just like many other boys had the exact same name. And so we're getting a picture through this name Jesus, this surprise name Jesus. It's not some fancy name, but it's the name Joshua, that this is a child who's come in humility. This is a child who lived a life just like any other first century boy. So we're getting a picture with Emmanuel. This is God with us. Come in the flesh. This is fully God. And yet we're getting in the name Jesus. This was fully, he was fully human. You see his humility that the God of the heavens and the earth took on a name like many other names and came and dwelt among us. Gave up his throne in heaven to be placed in the animal feeding trough, put on flesh. This is the God who put on flesh and lived in the world that he created. And why did he come? This is surprise number three. Who calls name Jesus because why? He will save his people from their sins. Jesus, Yeshua is the is the what the word really is. That Jesus is the English translation of the Greek word. Um, Joshua is the translation of Yeshua from Hebrew. So Jesus is the English translation of that Yeshua. This term Yeshua means the Lord saves. Call him the Lord saves because. He will save, he will yasa his people from their sins. And what was surprising about this is for an oppressed community like the first century people, the Jewish people were being oppressed by Rome. For an oppressed community, what defines sin? What speaks into your definition of sin? When you're an oppressed community, what speaks into your definition of sin are the sins that are being committed against you. Think of a Jewish person in Nazi Germany. What would be the definition of sin for them? What the Nazis were doing to them? And that's 100% true. That's sinful what they were doing. Just like what Rome was doing to the Jewish people. Absolutely sinful. But what's surprising here, and this is one of the reasons why Jesus faced so much opposition as well. He came, says, to save them from their sins. For an oppressed community, you're saying that the problem, your biggest problem that needs dealing with is not the sins of your oppressors. Jesus came to do away with those, and that's going to happen in the future. But with his first coming, what he came to deal with was the biggest problem we faced, and that was our sins. Jesus came so that... He could save us from our sin. And so we're getting this glimpse from Matthew, this message from Matthew, that your biggest problem, the reason why the creator God himself had to put on flesh and dwell among us is because of your sin. Your sin, as we see the rest of the New Testament flesh out, because our sin separates us from the holy God. We cannot live in relationship with the holy God apart from someone coming and doing something to bridge the gap that we could not bridge ourselves. And so that's why God himself came in the flesh in the person of Jesus to bridge that gap, to reconcile us to the God of the heavens and earth through his death on the cross. Just like these songs that we were singing, that myrrh that points to his death. This is why Jesus came. So within these three surprises that God himself has come in humility, took the name Jesus, Yeshua, so that we can be saved, so we can be reconciled, that we can be forgiven 
of our sin. These are incredible truths that we celebrate at Christmas. Just three things I just want to mention, three truths I just want to mention as we kind of wrap things up. The first truth is this, that we see out of these, this name, this title, and why Jesus came. The first truth is this, what we see through these things is the incredible love of our God. That he would do this for us. That he would put on flesh that we could be saved. That he would be nailed to a cross so we can be reconciled to him. This is incredible truth. This is love on display in the most incredible way. And the second truth we see out of this is the seriousness of our sin. This is something we always don't necessarily want to talk about at Christmas time. But think of God himself who did this for us. We can sometimes kind of dismiss sin. Oh, sin's no big deal. It's fine. Let's ask forgiveness. No, no big deal. And yet it was such a big deal that it cost the living God his son. What we see is the seriousness of our sin. That we could do nothing, nothing to pay for that. That because of our sin, we deserved death. We deserved punishment. We deserved eternal separation from God because of our sin. And yet God came. Love came down in the person of Jesus to make a way for us to be rescued from that. So we see the love of God on display in a huge way. We see the seriousness of our sin, seriousness of our sin. But then this is, this is an incredible truth that we hinted at already. But truth number three is this. Jesus came so that we could be saved from our sins. What that means is forgiveness of your sin is possible. This is an incredible truth that we celebrate at Christmas, that this is why Jesus came. And, and I know that every one of you in this room are sinners. Some of you are a lot worse than others. I'm not going to point fingers because I'd be pointing at myself first before all of you. I know the sin in my own heart. I know the times that I have to come to my wife and ask for forgiveness for the, just the silly things that I do. The times that I act in my own interests and not in hers. I know that every one of us are sinners. And this is the good news at Christmas that we celebrate. This is why Jesus came, that you can be forgiven of that. My wife, I have to ask for her forgiveness. If I mess up to her, we're not going to be reconciled. If I mess up to her, if I do something sin against her, we're not going to be reconciled until I ask for her forgiveness. And then from there, she extends it. We are forgiven. When it comes to our relationship with God, yes, Jesus came to die for us in our place, but this is a gift that we need to receive ourselves. This is a, this is a, a gift that, yes, when we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just, he is going to forgive us, but we have to take that step of confessing our sins to him. We have to take that step of saying, yes, I recognize I am a sinner and I'm helpless in and of myself to be reconciled to you. But thanks be to you through Jesus, I can be. And so I lay my sin at your feet. God, please forgive me for what I have done. 
And he is faithful and just to forgive us and we're reconciled to him and given the gift of eternal life. This is the message that we celebrate at Christmas, the good news of Jesus and why he came that we can see through these three surprises here in Matthew. If you have never yet come to that place of recognizing that you are a sinner, that your sin has separated you from the holy God, and that Jesus came and when he stretched out his hands on the cross and his hands were pierced with nails and blood poured out, that you can be forgiven. If you've never recognized that and confessed your sin to him, then this Christmas, this is the invitation that you are given by him. That when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You believe that you are a sinner. You know that you are a sinner and you lay that sin at his feet. Confess it to him. He's faithful and he's just to save you, to rescue you from what you deserve and to give you the gift of eternal life. Amen. It's the good news that we celebrate at Christmas. I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing some more because this news requires us to rejoice. Father, thank you for what Jesus has done for us. Thank you that Jesus humbled himself and came to the earth that he created ultimately to die for us, to take our place on the cross, that place that we deserved, he took for us, that he lived the perfect life, that he lived in such a way that he was our substitute on the cross, that our sin was placed on him. And we also celebrate that he didn't stay dead, but that you rose him to, you raised him to life again, and that we can have new life too through faith in your son, Jesus Christ, through belief, confessing our sins to you, of recognizing that we are sinners. Father, thank you for the good news of Christmas and why Jesus came. Or 2,000 years ago to Bethlehem, you put on flesh in a calm, it's a humble baby. And to think that you, the, the, the creator of all things, would do this for us. May our response to this be that of gratitude, that of joy, and that of worship. That we would worship the newborn king. Come for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you've been encouraged by our time today in God's Word, we'd love for you to connect with us on social media and let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at SCBC London. Until next time, I'm your host, Ryan, and this has been Stony Creek Radio. God bless.